Uh, if you have your devices with you today, uh, you can turn with them, or you've got your Bibles with you, uh, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We'll get there in, in a moment. This morning, as part of our Your Kingdom Come series, I've got the opportunity to talk about something controversial. Woo! I felt a shiver go up my spine. Well, it's controversial today because it actually stands in opposition to the world around us. If, if it's true, and I believe it's true, I wouldn't be standing here today preaching this if I didn't believe it was true. If it's true, then it actually changes the destiny, the direction, and the purpose of everything in the world around us and what it's moving towards. People have died for this truth. People continue to die for this truth. People are still tortured, shamed, exiled, rejected, laughed at for believing this truth. College and university students are told by some of their professors, no logical, sane, or thinking person can possibly believe this truth. The world's arguments push back in many different ways. But in essence, the controversy distills down to one statement that can be said a few different ways. And it's three simple words that make up one eternally powerful phrase that we have been singing about all morning. Sophie, you are right on in your song selection. It's this. Jesus is King. Period. The more churchy way of saying it is, Jesus is Lord. That phrase, Jesus is King, contains the truth that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, is the King and ruler of all things. It means Jesus is ultimately in charge and not anybody else. What he says goes. He's the final authority. Jesus has the last word in all matters. Who says? Well, God himself says. He actually says and speaks to us in Ephesians chapter 1 through the writer about how he set things up. So if you look in Ephesians 1 verse 19, kind of halfway through the verse, we'll pick it up. Ephesians 1 19. According to the working of his great might, that's the Lord himself, that he worked in Christ, that's his son, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he also put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That sounds to me like Jesus is king. People squirm at this. People get angry. They get rebellious. They even get violent with their words, with their emotions, even with their actions at this notion. But it's an issue that needs to be settled one way or another in the heart of every human being. There is no fence sitting on this question. Is Jesus king or not? Have you received him as king? I know many of you here today have. Is this something that's settled in your life? 
In Matthew 16, while Jesus was on the earth, Jesus asked his disciples, Who do you say I am? And Peter, one of his disciples, said, You are the Christ. Meaning, Jesus, we believe that you are the Messiah. You are the Savior, the promised one. The Son of God who will reign over all things. The the one who is bringing his people out of slavery and into freedom. And Jesus affirmed that answer to Peter. He said, yep. But he strictly told his disciples not to repeat that truth to anyone. It wasn't time to go public yet. Now, overall, we see in the New Testament, the crowds of people, they really liked, they loved Jesus. And people like him now. (laughs) It's generally the church that people have an issue with, not Jesus. It's us, maybe not lining up with what Jesus said that gives people a rough time. But why did they like him? Well, he was loving. He healed people. He looked out for the little guy. He taught life lessons, powerful things to thousands of people. He stood for what was right and good. But as soon as he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Or things like, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Well, that thinned out the crowd a little bit. And it still does today. This was King Jesus talking, by the way. So who do you say that he is? At the beginning of his earthly ministry, well, you know, I should pause right here. The only point that I'm making today was already in big, bold letters. Three words. Jesus is King. You can put whatever notes you want around that, but that's the point today. At the beginning of his earthly ministry, he walked up to the front of the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth on a Saturday afternoon or evening, whichever it was, and called for the book of Isaiah to be brought out of the storeroom so that he could read a passage from it out loud to the people who were there. And the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 4, records how this played out. Jesus goes up on stage, similar to how I'm doing here today amongst you, and he read the following. Luke 4, starting in verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then it says, And he rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he went back, and he sat down. And he said, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. They would have been stunned, by the way. Just as there's quiet in this room right now. They would have been gobsmacked. (laughs) That was a good word, I thought. What's a good word for how they might have felt? Gobsmacked. Um, The passage that he read from Isaiah was a famous passage that any Jew probably would have likely known because it had to do with the promised Messiah. 
The person who that God would send to set his chosen people free. So it makes absolute sense that they were fixed on him when he went back and sat down and took his seat. Should we be angry? Should we be happy? Could this be true? Is it true that the king has come? Should we stone Jesus or should we celebrate him? But the people said, It's Jesus. That's Joseph's son. Can you believe it? Can you believe what he just did? That's Joseph's son. We know him. He's not the Messiah. Either Jesus was crazy, either he was a liar and a blasphemer, or maybe he was actually telling the truth. But the people decided that he was a liar and a blasphemer, and they grabbed him, and they tried to take him to a hill to actually throw him off a cliff. And the Bible says that he was able to slip away unharmed. You know what Jesus did immediately after this? Filled by the Spirit of God, he began the mission that he had been given by his Father. He went and cast out demons. He healed the sick. He healed unclean lepers. He healed blindness. The lame walked. All the things that he had just stood up in the synagogue and actually proclaimed, he walked out into the world and he actually did it. Proving that he was who he claimed to be. It's one thing to talk a good game, isn't it? It's another thing to actually go out and do it and keep hitting home runs after home runs after home runs. Right? It's like that old story of Babe Ruth who used to sit at the plate like this, ready for a home run, and he would just point. It's going to be a home run. And he'd smack the ball, and it would be a home run. Jesus could back up what he said. Now, as an aside, Jesus is actually modeling something very basic for us in how we should live in his kingdom. It's this. God is king. Jesus is our Lord. And we are meant to live and walk empowered by his spirit. And Jesus is still doing the same miracles and more through his spirit-filled church today. It's still happening. I know people here who were lame and Jesus healed them. Della, how are your knees? Still good? Awesome. Wonderful. Paul Williams, who passed away uh, this summer, went home to be with Jesus. But many of us know that his blindness, he, when he first started coming, he was actually blind. Had a walking stick and everything. Couldn't read. But Jesus actually healed him to the point where he could read his Bible with just his glasses And he didn't need the aid of a walking stick anymore to guide him. Jesus worked to heal him. People here who were formerly crippled by oppressive emotions have found freedom as Jesus has walked with them on a healing journey out of the dark and into the light. Jesus is still king today, doing exactly what he said. 
It doesn't mean that everything in life is perfect. Certainly not. There's people here today who I imagine are probably overwhelmed with the things of life, might be suffering under a heavy load or pain. Jesus doesn't just snap his fingers and just make everything better in our circumstances, but he is still the king and in control of all things. And ultimately, praise the Lord, he did make things better for everyone. I share those testimonies because I I want to show that Jesus is still doing just what he said he would do. He can be trusted. He's not a fairy tale. He's not wishful thinking. He's not just a fictional religious character that, that was made up by a group of people so that they could feel better about themselves or better about life in general. Jesus was alive before the world began. He was present as the foundations of the universe were set in place. He physically entered into documented human history, meaning we actually know he lived on the earth. He was a real person. His death and his resurrection were witnessed by hundreds of eyewitnesses. He sent the Holy Spirit as his gift to the church after he ascended into heaven. And the evidence of that spirit at work which was documented in the book of Acts, but also by secular ancient historians of the day, that thousands of people began to follow the way of Jesus. You don't hear about that on the news. Coming back to the very start of where Dave Perry set the stage for us, he showed us that God is king over his creation. And now we see God sending himself sending his son Jesus into the world, into his creation as king and demonstrating his authority as king. Now, by way of of helping us understand the New Testament a little bit better, when it comes to the subject of the kingdom of God, it's helpful for us to know that in the Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, first four books of the Bible, um, we see Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. Uh, And what it's like even. Norm talked about this last week. How it doesn't work to have both our feet in both the world and in the kingdom. There are two opposing forces. They're they're going in the opposite direction. They actually are at odds with each other. And by the way, as Norm was doing his illustration last week, I was ready at the moment's notice to jump up and to help him should his legs just separate a little too far. (laughs) That was a wonderful illustration, by the way. (laughs) Um, So Jesus has many of these phrases in the Gospels that open with, the kingdom of God is like, or the kingdom of heaven is like. However, when we get to some different books in the New Testament, the language actually changes from talking about the kingdom of God and shifts to use the phrase, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is king, right? It's his kingdom. And it's used to mean the same idea. So if you're reading in your devotions and things like that, and you see those phrases, you can make that correlation. It's also another way of saying and teaching, the writer's teaching that here's the way the world does it, but this is the way that King Jesus does it, and this is the way that we should follow. I thought I should mention that just shift in language so that during our series we wouldn't get kind of hung up on some terminology. 
So King Jesus was on a mission to seek and to save the lost. That's what his mission was. He was on a mission from his Father in heaven to deal with the problem of the curse of sin and death that separated us from God. Nothing stopped him. Nothing slowed him down. Not even death on a cross. King Jesus actually laid down his life for his people so that we could be free of the grip of sin and death. He actually rose victorious from the grave. Death could not hold him. There's one. Death could not hold him. (laughs) He's the king of all things. And because of his great love for us that we've been singing about this morning, he made a way for his people to be set free. Jesus' promise to us was already echoed this morning. If we believe what Jesus has said, that he is who he says he is, the Messiah, the King, the Savior, the Son of God, and we invite him to be the Lord and Savior of our life, to be the King, by repenting of our sinful behavior and receiving his forgiveness, his free gift of salvation actually becomes ours. We are forgiven the sins of our past, present, and future. All the things that we've ever done wrong that have separated us from God. And He gives us a fresh start, a brand new beginning. Sin and death no longer have a hold on you. Do you understand that? Sin and death no longer have a hold on you. We inherit Jesus' gift of eternal life and eternity with Him in heaven. We become adopted children of the King. We we can now personally know the tremendous love of the King in every area of our life. That was His promise to His disciples, and it's the same promise He makes to us today. So have you received Him as King? Have you invited Him to be your Savior and your Lord? You can today. Whether it's now or whether you're listening on the internet to a podcast sometime later, you can do it right where you are. At Gateway, well, I should say it this. For those of us here who've made the decision and commitment to follow Jesus, does your life reflect that Jesus is King? Does it actually reflect that? At Gateway, one of our core commitments, meaning one of the core principles or values that we have to actually walk out the mission we have as a church is, we want people in our congregation to evidence the functional lordship of Jesus. What? (laughs) That's a mouthful, yeah. But it's a very specific way of describing a way of life and a relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I tell you? When we say Jesus as functional Lord, we mean, does Jesus actually function as the king of your life or not? You may positionally have gone, yep, I'm I'm good with this salvation thing. But Jesus, you're not actually, I haven't actually welcomed you in to actually function 
as the king of my life. We can say, yes, I asked you to be my Lord and Savior, but at the same time, we don't actually have any evidence to show that we're actually living that way or that it's actually true in our life. When Jesus is the king, the true king of your life, your life will actually show and evidence a consistency with practicing and doing the things that he asked you to do. Transformation is the evidence of Jesus at work within you and being the king. If you haven't settled this issue of functional lordship in your life, then this is the point where you may squirm a little bit and get more uncomfortable. You know, I realize that we are works in progress. None of us are perfect. I'm right in there with you. If you are submitted to Jesus and his ways as your king and are committed to working with him, to seeing your life transformed by his spirit, well then, amen, and keep going. We'll link arms together and we'll do that together. Like the rest of us, we will stumble and fall along the way, but your genuine, your default posture is to love, to be loved by, and to be like your King Jesus. If that's your default, keep going. Keep going. But if you invited Jesus to be the King of your life, and you haven't been walking with Him and lining up your life with His way of doing things, well, then you need to reevaluate whether you're following Jesus or whether you actually just like the idea of following Jesus. Some people have it in their mind that, well, I like this idea of my sins being forgiven. I like that. Or I like the thought of having fire insurance should I die. You know, if I'm going to a hot place, I better make sure I got my affairs in order. Sure, sign me up. But that's not the deal. When you invite Jesus into your life, He rightly takes the throne. He's meant to take the throne. And He wants the keys to every area of your life. In our world, we want or like all the benefits with no accountability, don't we? We just want all the good stuff. (laughs) But that's not the way the kingdom of God works. Jesus came to bring his kingdom and rule into everything. But Aaron, that sounds like you're saying that I need to submit my entire life and way of doing things to Jesus. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying here this morning. He's the king, not you. Thank you. It's true. Your life is not your own. You've been purchased out of love and redeemed by Jesus for a price. And as part of his family, you belong to him. It's his will, not your will, that needs to rule the day. I love that the Lord won't, it's not his style to force us to do things. We do have a choice to partner with him or not. We can go our own way or do things his way. But I know this, I've discovered from experience, and I bet you there's people here who can identify, that because he loves us more than we could ever know, 
and is absolutely committed to Jesus being formed in us, that He will always work in your life to bring you back to Him and Himself and His way. Why? Because He knows that to be truly loving, He has to bring you back to Himself. It would be totally unloving to do anything less. He's the source. He's the answer. He's our King. But Aaron, how can I trust Him with everything? Well, then I ask another question back. Do you believe, not just in your head, but actually in your heart, do you believe that Jesus loves you? That He will never leave you? And that He has a good plan for your life that's better than yours? Do you believe that? If you're not settled on any part of that, it needs to be settled. Sometimes it's a work in progress, and I get that. Let me encourage you with something. For God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son into the world so that whoever would believe in Him would not have to perish, but inherit eternal life. It was love that sent Jesus to the earth. It was because of Jesus' love for us that he died on a cross. It was out of love that he made a way for us to reconnect to our Heavenly Father. It was love incarnate, Jesus in the flesh, that made a way back to the one who is truly loving. If Jesus loves you and I that much, and He wants His absolute best for us, then that's the kind of King that I want to follow and give my life to and to worship and to adore. And like I've said many times, when you're in the Lord's hands, you're in the best hands. Don't hold anything back. Give everything to Him. No matter how scared you might feel, no matter how resistant you might feel, trust Him with it all. If you need to realign yourself with Jesus, perhaps the Holy Spirit brought something to mind while I've been speaking today. Don't wait. Even if you're listening on the internet, don't wait. Just even as I'm speaking, right where you are, just apologize to Jesus if you've been doing things your own way. Ask Him to forgive you. He will. (laughs) And welcome Him and His Spirit in to help you walk out life in a different way. His way. To walk out the things that He actually lovingly desires for you. Commit to partnering with Him in that goal. Say yes instead of no. Say not my will, but yours, Lord. Incidentally, if you've never started a relationship with Jesus, if you've never asked Him to be your Lord and Savior, there's never been a moment in your life where that's a definitive moment. It's the same way we come to Him. We say, Jesus, I'm sorry for the wrong things that I've done. Would you forgive me? Would you wash me of all that? Give me a new start. 
I want to invite you into my life. Would you forgive me? Wash me clean. I want you to take up residence. I want you to sit on the throne. I want you to have the driver's seat of my life. I want you to be the King, the Lord, the Savior of my life. I don't understand it all, but that's what I want. I feel it in my bones. Thank you for hearing my prayer. It's no magic words, no special words. It's a heart posture of belief and welcome and receiving. If that's you today, you can do that right where you're sitting. When Jesus' disciples asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. The opening lines of what he taught them were things were, were lines that most of us here can repeat without even thinking. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, our desire as Christ followers, as Jesus followers, should be for the kingdom of God to spread and the will of God to be accomplished in our lives and in those of the people that are around us. We know that just by looking out the door and watching the news that, that this is something we actually need to be praying about on a regular daily basis. The kingdom of God is here because King Jesus is victorious and reigns over all things. But as we see how Jesus taught us to pray, he said, your kingdom come, future tense. See, we are waiting for the ultimate fulfillment of what the Lord planned. And when Jesus returns, as promised, he will permanently establish his kingdom forever. It's an already but not yet. It's already here, but we're also waiting for its fulfillment. And until that day comes, as his church, we're in the business of manifesting the kingdom to the people around us. See, to the world, the kingdom of God is upside down. But to followers of Jesus, it's actually the right way up. And, what Jesus, and it's actually what Jesus is working to bring about through his Holy Spirit at work within us. You know what the kingdom of God looks like when it's come to us? It's when you see things like people being healed and set free. People exchanging their sinful habits, actions, and attitudes for godly ones. People proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ and people coming and receiving that. Uh, People taking a stand for righteousness. People choosing to walk in forgiveness instead of bitterness and hate. People choosing to love their enemies instead of hating them. People extending compassion and mercy to others. People who trust Jesus and who are at peace in the midst of crazy challenges. People who hear from God and actually reach out in childlike faith to go after and pursue the things that He said despite the challenges. We see people like today worshiping and praising and giving glory to God with all their hearts. The kingdom has come. There's a lot more. But when individuals and communities like us submit to the lordship of Jesus, transformation takes place. It's just a natural byproduct of saying, yes, you are king. Come and reign.
It's like it's always been since Jesus came that starry night 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, ushering in the kingdom of God. Hard places becoming soft, dark places becoming light, evil being cast out, and the presence and peace of Christ filling in. Lies replaced by truth, captives being set free. Jesus is. Oh, let me say that again. Jesus is King. King Jesus is continuing to do everything that he said. Even if we don't see it in front of us right now, he is working through you and me a people that would love him and are submitted to his kingdom reigning in our lives. And before I close, Norm, if you turn your mic on and you find that scripture passage I was talking to you about, Norm didn't, had no idea, but there was, he read to me a scripture passage this morning, and I said, oh, I was trying to figure out how to finish this sermon. And this particular scripture passage from Zephaniah in the Old Testament, I want you to close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that. And I want you to picture King Jesus. Go ahead, Norm. Zephaniah 3, it's God speaking to the children of Israel, but it's about him becoming king. And what his promise is to them, he says in verse 9, it says, for, that, for at that time... I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, the daughters of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. On that day you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exultant ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. But I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Those who are left in Israel, they shall do no, inju- they shall do no injustice and speak no lies, nor, there, nor shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue. For they shall gaze and li- graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. So sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst, and you shall never again fear evil. Wow. That was written hundreds of years before Jesus came and fulfilled that. Just as Jesus Christ stood up in the synagogue and spoke out those words of Isaiah. Through Christ, those same words act as a kind of commissioning for you and I today. And I just want to invite you to receive it along with me, that this is His mission and what He's actually called us as His ambassadors to do. Yes, we have the great commission to go, to make disciples. But here's also the authority that we've been given through Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you because He's anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, 
to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus has come. The King is here. The good news of the kingdom has arrived. It's ours today, and we can follow him. Let's pray. Lord, I want to continue acknowledging that Jesus, you are the king, and we are not. Thank you for being our king and going way further than any other being in the universe has ever gone to redeem a people, to bring them back to yourself, to bring us back to you. Lord, your desire to have a family that would be able to share in your greatness and your glory, to know you and to be known by you, to be taken out of darkness and be brought into your marvelous light. Lord, I pray for people here today that if there is any way that their life is not lining up with King Jesus, that you would empower them by your Spirit to turn towards you and settle the issue of who's on the throne. Lord, would you help us in every area of our lives, even those secret ones that maybe nobody else knows about, would you help us to give you the keys to those doors and to welcome you in? Lord, when your light comes, darkness can't stay. But also when your light comes, joy comes, peace comes, life comes, fruitfulness comes. King Jesus, rule and reign over your people. We welcome it and we say yes to you. Thank you, Lord for your word, and thank you for your heart towards us today. We bless the name of Jesus. Amen.